Pursuing your future doesn't end at 40. In fact, it may mark the beginning of knowing who you are, what you're capable of, and what you really want. But knowing what's next and how to get there can be a challenge, especially when old narratives play on repeat. Liberty Road is here to share stories so that you can consider your possibilities, pursue your purpose, and move into your future with intention. I'm your host, Netta Jones, and we're here to listen, learn, and liberate dreams one episode at a time. Well, hello, Liberty listeners. Welcome to another episode of Liberty Road. Um, I'm thrilled to bring you somebody who I actually know, and I've been able to watch some of her growth over the last few years into crazy new worlds. And I'm ready to hear along with you as Catherine unpacks this amazing future that she's created for her and her family. And I know that you will be inspired by it. Catherine Welsh, welcome to Liberty Road. It's so good to have you. Thanks so much, Netta. Absolutely. So it's, I'm going to try and keep everything that you're doing organized. So we're going to try and break down the various things. But what I really want to unpack today are the two newest endeavors, which is Windrose Farm and Finca Los Agaves. Can you tell us a little bit about those two platforms that you're working on there? They're both farms, right? They are. Well, so they are one and the same, essentially. Justin and I, we wanted to start an agave spirits brand. Justin's Um, your husband. Justin's my husband. Yeah. And so while we were away on sabbatical of sorts, we fell in love with a lot of the different fincas in in Guatemala and South America. And of course, we have a huge love for tequila and mezcal. So we wanted to see if we could grow it here in California. And so we set out looking for some property to do that on. While we were doing that, we came upon Windrose Farm. So Windrose Farm is a an organic and biodynamic farm that has been around for a little over 30 years. It was started by Bill and Barbara Spencer up here in Paso Robles. And we bought a farm. <laughs> Instead of buying a zoo, we bought a farm. Um, and so, you know, Windrose Farm has been such a special place for so many people, so many chefs, so many restaurants. And we really wanted to keep that legacy alive. So we decided to keep Windrose Farm and everything that they had built and then add on Finca Los Agaves. So it's all in the same place. We're all the same thing, um, but it's just two different names for what we do here. Okay. So naturally, the next question is like, did you always want to have a farm? (laughs) I can't say we always wanted to have a farm. I did always want to have a ranch. So when I was in college, I lived and ran a working Angus cattle ranch for about three years during college and just loved that entire lifestyle and loved the outdoors and loved the animals so, so much and knew that someday I wanted that to be in our future. But a farm specifically, no, Justin and I, we don't have farming background per se. We do both come from ag backgrounds as far as what we studied in college. We were both ag business majors, Justin studied wine. Um, I was an animal science major. So we had a lot of that built in and and also having gone to college here in San Luis Obispo at Cal Poly, you know, it's just natural to come back and it all fit really well together. So I just want to give everybody some context, lest they think you and Justin have been living some sort of quasi farm life before you bought the farm. Like you guys have been living in Los Angeles County, raising your four children. You both had 
dare I say regular with you for anything? <laughs> hey, somewhat regular. Jobs. Yes. Yeah. You had, yeah. you had jobs. You were living a suburban life. So I just want people to understand like, this is a really big deal. Yeah. It was a big, big move and a big change for us. But you know, I think in the midst of COVID and yeah. we had already, well, even before COVID, right? We had already planned to leave. So we had planned to take off eight months and travel the world with our kids and world school them. So they call it now, you know, Justin had left his 13, 14 year career in healthcare. I was ready to go remote and had put a lot of things into motion so that I could make that happen. And we left March 1st of 2020 and 13 days later, the world shut down. So we were definitely planning for a change. Yeah. And so this progression to the farm, I think, was a pretty natural step in finding what we were looking for with our family, um, with our careers. And it's all, I I can't say it's fallen into place easily, but um, it feels good. So taking eight months off to have an adventure and then come back to that normal life is very different than eight months getting shorted because of a pandemic turning into a move and a the purchase of a farm like you extended this what what do we want for our family it, into something that's much more of a long-term sustainable lifestyle than it is a short-term adventure i mean 8 months is a long time but it's still a very different trajectory yeah i mean we hope so i think we're really loving and still figuring out how to make it all work you know the majority of business that Windrose Farm does is in LA. So we still are down there quite yeah. often figuring out how we can actually go down there less because we don't want to be on the road, you know, driving to LA and back. So we're still figuring a lot of it out, but I definitely the lifestyle in itself and being the kids always being outside and helping us on the farm and it's fantastic. It sounds amazing. And I should mention you guys have an Airbnb so people can come out to the farm and participate. Is that, we sure am do. I lying? Yeah. Is that still true? No, I'm, okay. I'm, I'm sitting in it right now. Yeah. Okay. It's open. And, you know, we love sharing that. I think that's one of the things that one of the best parts is having different families, especially again, through the pandemic, you know, people needed to get away and needed to get out of their little bubbles or being stuck inside their houses. And we just didn't feel that as much here because we are outside a good majority yeah. of the day. And so that's been pretty special to see kids and families come and learn and not just about where their food comes from, but really to explore outside, use their imaginations, you know, all of those things. Be together outside. So that brings me to something else. There's actually a third thing here. So it's the farm, it's the agave or the tequila, Mm -hmm. and then it's this Airbnb. I mean, there are three components to this on this property that you're managing. Yeah. So we... I don't think it's going to change anytime soon, but we, for the last year and a half that we've, you know, run the farm, we've really been trying to explore different avenues of, you know, sustainability, financial sustainability for the farm. And unfortunately, you know, that's not necessarily agriculture with, Mm -hmm. you know, property prices in California, um, gas prices now driving things back and forth. We really wanted to figure out a way to to work out agritourism here to teach people, you know, all about soil health, regenerative agriculture, animals, all of those things put together. I think it's one big package in in showing people how it all works. Yeah. I mean, you guys could do a digital course. I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. It's fun. Let's do it. 
Let's do it. So something that we haven't mentioned yet. I mean, I've hinted at the the lack of normalcy that um, <laughs> that is a part of your life. That and I mean that me in through, the best way. That you got me I, through. I, no, 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 no. But you're also a mother of four. And you had and continue to have, it's just digital now or virtual, a thriving career. So tell us what that is. I'm going to let you unpack that. (laughs) So I'm deep into the IVF industry, so in vitro fertilization, various realms of it. So I started off as an embryologist, a clinical embryologist in the lab. It's the most special thing seeing, you know, life be formed, putting eggs and sperm together. And that whole process is just magical. And then that ventured into a career in sales and genetics. So those are my primary focuses. Now I do run a lab down in LA by LAX and then also do sales for a big lab equipment company um, while I still have my little like embryology hat on on the side. So I think all of it together for me, a lot of it has to do with connection with people Mm -hmm. and whether that be patients and hearing their stories and helping them through that or finding ways to help them through that, that um, maybe make the entire process a little bit less challenging to connection with the physicians that I get to work with and, you know, explain the newest technologies to them and really finding these ways to get these patients to pregnancy and a healthy baby faster than we once could. I mean, that has just come such a long way and that's been incredible to see. And then working with my fellow embryologists and getting what they need in the laboratory and keeping up those relationships. And, you know, now with all the forms of communication, I think it's easier than ever to be able to maintain all those relationships. And I think that that's been um, one of the things that's really allowed me to take a lot of it remote and virtual, but still stay very, very connected. Sure. So we can give credit to technology to some degree. But there's also in you this capacity for doing multiple things. And I and I ask this and and hope that we can sort of break down because I know that there are listeners who also have that capacity, but they don't know how. And so I'm just gonna ask you, Catherine Welsh, how do you do it? Like <laughs> how do you actually parse out your days so that you have time to be a mother of four and a wife and run, I mean, which plate is spinning at what point in the morning? And then you've got to like make sure that it doesn't fall, but you don't seem to approach it like that. A little bit all the time, right? Yeah. Number one, which we've talked about before, I, I don't sleep very much. So I'm really lucky in that regard in that I don't need a lot of sleep. And I think it's so fun to be getting to do all the different things that I do. So I think that keeps me going a lot of the time. Wait, how much is not a lot of sleep? I just, I need to know. Um, Maybe like five hours is really good for me. I'm good. Wow. I'm, I'm solid on Have you hours. always been like that? I've always been like that. Wow. Okay. No. So, I mean, I have, you know, three or four more hours in a day just yeah. right there. Yeah. But I think that a lot of it also comes from, I don't know, I I guess maybe like an understanding between all of the different things that I do that people know that they can count on me and that when I say I'll do something, I'm going to do it. Mm. And so it's been quite a luxury 
to not have people check up on me, right? I think as an entrepreneur, that's one of the things that we're all like, okay, well, there's a sense of freedom, but then there's also, you know, those things where if, you know, you're going to, you thought leaving a corporate life or something like that, um, and then being an entrepreneur, you could like work less. Well, no, I I work a hundred times more, but I really, really enjoy it and I can do it on my own time. So I can carve out all of those little pockets to do all of that work. Same with my kids. I think that, you know, my kids know that I am working all the time and that, hey, if I need to finish up an email really quick on my phone, that they have to give me that space because that'll allow me to be with them for the next 10 minutes, you know, give my full attention to them and and, and all of those things. So I parse a lot of it out in little tiny segments. I can't say that I sit down and worked, you know, two, three, four hours on any given project because I think I would go crazy doing that and my brain doesn't work that well that way. I have to constantly have that change so that I can stay um, connected to what I'm doing. So there's no, when you're talking about time blocking, the Catherine way, it's not hours. It's literally like I'm this email to this email to this. Yeah. You're going back and forth, toggling all day. All day. (laughs) It's like, okay, the next 10 minutes I'm doing this thing. And, And honestly, sometimes it's whatever is most urgent, right? Because there are so many unexpected fires that you can't put out. But I also do have in my week blocks of time that I know I'm going to have free that I can set things aside that are going to take a little bit longer. But other than that, I definitely work in like five or 10 minute increments of, okay, here's the next thing. And here's the next thing. I think it drives Justin crazy because now we work together and he comes from a very traditional corporate, you know, meetings and emails and everything is very structured. And I'm like, okay, we're going to do this now and this now, and let's talk about this. And he's like, can you just hold on for a second? (laughs) Okay, let's back up. Um, So I get that. And it's been, it's been fun seeing that and kind of, I guess, definitely picking up pieces of different ways of working that I haven't been that exposed to. Yeah. And do you, are you sort of naturally organized in your brain? Like, do you have like, okay, this, I can silo all these things out. I know that the farm needs this, the tequila company needs this, the embryologist in me needs to be doing this. The people I need to be connecting with on the medical equipment side need this. Like, can you do that on a regular basis? It's in my head for sure. Yeah. So I think for our listeners, a lot of it's capacity. Yes, for sure. What do you have the capacity for and how do you thrive? I mean, you just said like, I'm able to do that. And it actually is how my brain works to go back and forth and work on things five minutes at a time. But I think it's also important to know when something is not working and to be able to cut that out or if something's taking too much of you. And I definitely have those things. You know, I've let go of things, probably picked up others in the meantime, but I definitely let go of things. And, you know, for the last four years, I also ran a surrogacy agency. And that's one of those things that I said, oh, you know what, that is just taking a little bit too much out of me that it's not helping me grow. Right. Mm. And not even that I'm losing my passion for it, because I don't think that that's, that's true. It's not that I don't still love it. And there's a huge piece of my heart that's there, but it was just taking so much out of me that I couldn't stay up with it. And so I had to say, all right, this is for another time or we'll see what happens. But that is one of the things like I've sunsetted and, and for sure there's been other things. Sure. I can relate to that as I 
recently in December retired. I like the sunset in (laughs) the way that sounds, but that piece of it, it's not because I don't care about those women and their individual businesses and wanting to see them thrive in those businesses. It's that for me, it came a time to pivot and focus on building actually my own business and focusing on how do I speak to more women at one time, at the same time, and offer a lot of that a lot of the tools and the resources we were doing. And for me, a lot storytelling became key. So bringing your story to these women for me is satisfying a lot of the same thing, but they get to hear from you and not from me all the time. Well, congratulations, because um, this is so fun. Oh, it's I'm actually having a great time. So I hear when you say my heart is still in something, but it no longer was satisfying the part of me that could really could provide that work in a, in a way that was meaningful to my life and all exactly. the other things I needed to do. Right. I very much appreciate that season of life, but it yeah. was a period that has passed. Yeah. Yeah. What did you think was missing from your life, missing from your family's life? What was the thing that you and Justin were sort of after? Again, you mentioned this started as like an eight-month event- adventure and then sort of has landed into a complete lifestyle shift. Yeah. What did you feel like was missing? What were you guys looking for? Gosh, I don't know that I, I would say it was missing necessarily, but what I wanted to, what I think Justin and I wanted to show our kids, right, is we always talked about how you teach your kids to work hard. Mm. And, you know, I know so many people who work so hard and have thriving careers and are extremely successful. And we get to take our kids on great vacations and, you know, show them museums or different cultural aspects of our cities and have these amazing experiences with them that are truly the fruits of our labor. But at the same time, they just saw us walk out the door and then come back. Or in my case, you know, I traveled so much for work. Um, I was gone at some points, you know, I don't know, three days a week on an airplane somewhere. And so conceptually, they knew I was working hard, but they didn't really know that meant. And I think that that's one of the things that the farm has really brought us is now they see us doing it. And not only do they see us doing it, they want to do it with us. They do it alongside us. And they're also not the type of kids who are going to say, oh yeah, well, we're done with this. We're going to just like let you finish up. You know, like they're there working with us and they know, I mean, my 13 year old, when we're gone, he can run the farm completely on his own. And it's amazing. It, that's nothing that we could have ever taught them just through the careers that we had. Sure. Just to be exposed to that. And I think that what you and Justin are, wanted for your family is something that I hear more and more parents wanting for their, for their kids. There are these, it's like we've grown into a situation where we're doing everything that we can to make sure that our kids are educated in a certain way. And then we were doing everything that we can to make sure that our careers are maintained so we can continue to support the way that we're raising them and then never do the two meet. And then we expect some time upon graduating from college that they're going to magically know what it means to work hard and, you know, what it means to sort of, we talk a lot about the kind of the gritty piece that's missing from them but they don't know what they don't know. And we're responsible for that. Exactly. Yeah. I think that that's a lot of what we were trying to seek out. And, 
you know, not just in work, I guess, in a lot of those hard to teach things, Mm -hmm. you know, whether it's falling passionately in love with something that you're doing and, and really deep diving into that and how you do that. Um, I, I think a lot of life things, a lot of life things that we weren't getting to teach them because we weren't with them enough. You know, they have so many people who love on them and an amazing community onto itself, but we wanted to do a lot of that with our kids. And now we're able to. That's awesome. What are some of the things that you have surprisingly fallen passionately in love with now that you're (laughs) a farmer besides tequila? Oh gosh, on the farm, so many things. I think I'm like a crazy chicken lady for sure. Uh Um, I love all the colors of all the eggs. And so we, in November, we had about 50 chickens for the last year and a half. We now have 300. Um, so we got 250 more chickens late last year and all of them are starting to lay now and they're just beautiful. I'll bring you some. Okay. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. What are you doing with all of those eggs? Well, they're getting picked up like crazy at their farmer's markets. People love them. Yeah. I mean, I think, again, like coming from an ag background, I knew a lot of the ways that we grew our food, how chickens laid their eggs, you know, but I didn't really truly understand what that meant when, you know, you see all these different labels across the grocery store, you know, and and you're like, oh, okay, I think I have an idea. But now doing it and the way we do things here, I think it's so different and so freeing to know that we raise our own food, we grow our own food going to the grocery store is literally like walking across our dirt road into our cooler that has a bunch of things. You know, the only things that we don't have, and we don't have a dairy cow or a dairy goat yeah. and we don't grow wheat. So we, so bread and dairy products are mostly what we get at the grocery store now, but a lot of the, you know, we, we eat so seasonally. It's, it's pretty eye-opening. I've always loved food, but I can't say that knowing what grew when or any of that was what I really, I didn't deep dive into that. I just said, oh, okay, well, mm-hmm. you know, this is what we're eating now. And and now I'll see something on the shelf at the grocery store. I'm like, that is not in season. Where is that from? That must have been flown from yeah. a different hemisphere, you know. So I think that's a lot of fun. I couldn't have told you probably more than two varieties of anything, any fruit or vegetable two years ago. And now I can list off 45 varieties of apples and 80 varieties of tomatoes. And especially having that science and genetics background, yeah. it's it's like it's come full circle. It's super neat to see. I was going to say, and we say this a lot, hence the name Liberty Road, but like how you can look back and see how all of these things that you've been doing absolutely align. And it's like, this is the path that was for me the whole time. And even when you were talking about the eggs, I was like, well, that's the embryologist in her. Yeah, right. (laughs) Somehow it's it's back to the same thing. Yeah. What have been the things, I mean, I can imagine having a conversation with my husband about wanting to go into business together. And I can imagine us listing all the reasons we shouldn't. <laughs> what, what, as much as I think in some ways it's ideal, there's a built-in partnership. You want the same things for your family, for your personal lives, for the future, you know, for the most part, but it's still, it can feel a little claustrophobic or it can feel a little bit like, I don't know if I want to bring this into our personal relationship. What was that discussion like with you and Justin? Like, how did that go? Um, I can't say there was like a specific discussion. I feel like he should be here. 
you can say his piece. Um, you know, like I said, we work extremely differently from one another. Mm-hmm. At times that is great. And at times that's awful. You know, as far as our marriage is concerned, we're very, very good at keeping it separate. And I think that that is huge. And again, you know, we have our kids right there. So we we are also actively having these conversations with our kids yeah. about, okay, it's one thing, you know, you see daddy and I having these conversations or discussions about certain things. We have these disagreements. That is not our marriage. We're talking about something in work. We love each other so deeply. You know, it's a it's a hard place to be, especially, you know, in startup mode and giving everything that we have and pouring it into this business on the side of what we already have, raising our kids. During a pandemic. During, yeah, all of the things, right? Just layer on top of layer. But I think that I love it. I 100% wouldn't have it any other way. I think that it's so fun getting to see him all the time, all day, every day, you know, to get to go into a different room or and be like, oh, hey, you know, whereas I felt like a lot of times when we both had full careers and the kids and everything else, right, and and friendships and the list goes on, that we would kind of just be ships passing in the night. Yeah. It's easy for that to be the case. Yeah. And now we can – I can say, oh, hey, you're going to go pick up one of the kids from whatever activity. I'm just going to ride in the car with you so I get to talk to you. So I think that part has made it easier. The working part definitely – a lot of things are harder, but knowing that we chose to do this together has been huge. And, you know, what a yeah. privilege it is for us to be able to even do that and make that happen. And I think we think about that a lot in our day to day, especially when things are going wrong. You know, we can look at each other and be like, what are we doing? And both kind of laugh about it almost, right? Because we're in it together. Sure. Is there anything that if somebody, if a friend of yours, a couple friend, came to you and said, hey, you guys, we're thinking about doing this. What would you say, sort of watch out for this or make sure this? I think they're kind of one and the same in that Mm -hmm. just watch out when you're not communicating it and make sure you're always communicating, right? I think that for us, it's still slightly different because it's not both of our 100% thing, right? I we still mm-hmm. have a little something to fall back on. Mm-hmm. So if that gets in the way sometimes, I'll say, because even if I want to be here helping, I have to be elsewhere. Similarly, if he wants to be elsewhere, he has to be here. So that kind of communication and what what is burning one of us out, when one of us needs that time, to step back and kind of look at the big picture and see if we're going down the right path, I think is really important to us as far as the lines of communications is concerned. For me, you know, I've always been the person in our marriage that's like, oh yeah, let's do that. Oh, that sounds great too. Let's do that. Like, you know, I fall into (laughs) all these things and he's like, no, hold on. What are we really doing? And I say, okay, well, I think what's most important to me as far as finding that thing for us together is letting him take the lead in some of this because because I do fall into things so easily and do fall in love. You know, I feel like I could do anything and I just love the process so much that a lot of things are fun for me, whereas um, he's much more calculated and conservative in that regard and really wants to know all the steps and whether or not it's going to succeed and plan it all out. And I come through there like a Tasmanian devil. I'm like, 
okay, it's done here. Like, <laughs> this is the plan. Let's do it. So I think giving him that space has been really, really important in working with him sure. to make it successful. Do you think part of that for you is because you've always had multiple things going, it's okay if something doesn't work out, like you give it your all and then you're like, but I've got other ideas and other things that I can do. Whereas for him, it's sort of that singular mindedness, that focusedness is because he's really putting a lot of eggs in one basket. No pun intended. With <laughs> I don't know that I think it's necessarily the the jumping off, like the doing, you know, the, the putting all the eggs in one basket. I think it's more the reminder that's like always in the back of my head that's saying, telling me, oh, well, if you did give it your all and if you did put it, put it all out there and it doesn't work, you can always go back to something else, you know? And I think that yeah. that's one of the things that has given me for sure the opportunity to say, oh yeah, well, I'll try that, you know? Because I embrace failure. I mm. I mm. don't think that it's something to be – I mean, I don't think anyone likes it, but I sure. think that I'm not afraid of it and knowing when to pivot and when to try something different if something's not working. That doesn't scare me. And so I, I, I don't think it's as much the – commitment to it. I think Justin is so committed, right? And not just to our venture, our marriage, our kids, this place, but it's more knowing that you always have that um, foundation and that safety, I think maybe was just instilled in me a little bit more than other people might be comfortable with. Yeah. What a gift for your kids. I mean, I think in general, but even in light of listening to story after story, I mean, we've been doing these podcasts for several years now and people talking a lot about fear and fear of failure and the gift it is when they finally realize whether it's a business venture or something within the business itself, yeah. you know, a step that they're taking. And I think without exception, they finally come to a place forced on them or otherwise where they realize that I I have to accept this because it's actually what's best for me and my growth. And it ends up being the thing that catapults the business. Not because that idea was the perfect idea, but because that habit of let me just try and if I fail, no problem, let me try, like let me just keep doing that. You finally, inevitably, will hit on that thing, whatever that thing is. Well, it just pushes you over the edge and say, you know, pour yourself into it. And I think it's that, that, missing link that oftentimes, right, takes people to that next level. Yeah. And there's so much freedom for oneself. I mean, for, forget about for a minute the success of the business, but what a free way to live, like to be able to exercise all those bits of who you are. There's something liberating about yeah. it. <laughs> what? So you recently turned 40. I did. And I was just waiting for it so we could interview you. <laughs> um, I was. It was fun. It was, and, the, it was the best month ever. I know. It was funny, I think, on your Instagram. And it was like all these like celebrations of Catherine yeah, and so her fun. life. And it was very sweet because I think it was you were appreciating what was happening. And I think, again, in light of, we can't say it enough, of the last two years, like there is this sort of deeper understanding of what it means to celebrate life and, and to embrace those relationships and physically be together. What What was it about 
40, what was it about entering this new stage of life that prompted all of these changes? Like, could you have bought a farm at 30? I mean, I know you could have. I don't know if I could have. (laughs) Did you have the same sort of desire? What is it about this particular stage? I think I probably did. I've always been interested in it, but I think that, you know, the different steps and the journey that you take, right, is so important in in preparing you for for all of that. And I think that for a long time with my kids, especially, they I said, you know, gosh, they really have so many people loving on them. You know, they were all babies and it was crazy time, right? Four under seven. And I was away traveling a lot for work and Justin was working full time. Thankfully, we lived next door to my parents, have the best mom community ever. Um, I shouldn't just say the moms, the dads too. But I really did want to make it a goal of when my oldest, who's now 13, got to a point where he really needed us for so many of these new changes happening in his life and Mm. that we would be here. That was a singular goal for probably the last couple of years to say, okay, well, when that time comes, I want to be able to travel less. I want to be able to be home more. I want to be able to have daily conversations with my kids about things that are important, you know, not come home from school. How's your day? Fine. You know, not those types of conversations, but, but deeper conversations that I think shape people during those teenage years. And so we've gotten to do that. And, you know, I, Obviously, the farm has a lot to do with it. Homeschooling them has a lot to do with it. But I think that um, it kind of all came together in a way that this has made that possible. And so we've been really lucky. Super grateful for that. And really intentional. I mean, yes, you've taken advantage of the opportunities that have been presented to you and the opportunities that you pursued. But it's it's not all luck. You guys have been super intentional about what's important to you. And when you talk about the teenage years, I think one thing that when my kids were younger and you're, you know, there's primary colored furniture all over the house and you're like <laughs> constantly sweating, like you're just constantly hot <laughs> and your right. back hurts. And I remember another mother who had children that were probably five years my kids senior said to me, I know this feels like the hard work. But the hard work is actually coming because you swap all that physical labor and that like, I'm just trying to keep them alive and fingers out of sockets and, you know, from chasing a ball across the street. You swap that with this unspoken fear of the things that they do and don't know about the world, the things that they're exposed to, the relationships that they're going to be a part of. And it it becomes the time where you actually want to be super, super present. in their lives and super, super engaged with them. And oh my gosh, especially with boys, you know, you can very easily get that. How is your day? Fine. Yeah. And that that's the end of it. I think that a lot of that is through showing up, right? I think that probably wouldn't happen if I wasn't at a soccer game. You know, I mean, I went to Mm -hmm. see his middle school soccer game yesterday and it was so fun, but to be able to talk, speak in that same language, you know, to know what happened and those are things that can't be replaced through a, oh, hey, how was the game? Yeah. You know, it's more a, oh, that one play you had was really good. 
And so to know and be there, I think um, that's been really important for me. Yeah. So you guys have a lot of friends you talked about. I happen to know that you have a deep and wide community. You're you're one of those people that's a friend to a lot of friends and and a lot of you around the same age. I have to believe that a lot of them also in their 40s are watching you, let's say the women in particular, and saying, I, I don't know. I don't know if I can take a leap. They don't need to buy a farm. But just I don't know if I can do something like that. I don't know if I can start something. Perhaps I've missed the boat. And at at my age, really, should I be starting something new? And, you know, I'm in the next decade. And I hear that all the time. And I heard it from clients all the time. What do you want to say to those women? Oh, go for it. Right? Go for it. Go big. And I think I, I think any of my friends who's considering something like that, and has shared it with me. They maybe almost has heard don't that. even come ask me because they know I'm going to say, <laughs> oh my gosh, I support you 110%. What do you need me to do? And how, how do sure. I do it? And when should I do it? Sure. So I think, yeah, easily, right? Just keep going. Do whatever you can to make that happen. And I think that most of all is I'll be there for you for mm. whatever you need. So it's not too late. Never. It's never. It's never too late. I do have some friends who are starting new things right now and I'm so happy for them. And I think that a lot of it has come out of, you know, there have been such committed, amazing moms. And I Mm -hmm. think that they feel like now is the time that they can embark on something new that their kids um, are, are ready for them to do that. Their families are ready for them to do that. And so that's been really, really fun to watch. Yeah. I mean, I think I would always also say to, pull from your community. I think that people are afraid to ask. And I think that they have surely have friends who would just be so excited to help them in those endeavors and to figure out how to make it happen. People ask me, I I reach out to a lot of friends all the time to try to get together and, and grab a lunch or a coffee or whatnot. And they're like, okay, well, you let me know, you know, you're so busy. And Gosh, it's all—it's kind of one of my biggest pet peeves. I'm like, oh my gosh, please don't ever say I'm busy because I am never too busy to sit down and have a conversation and to yeah. to have that with a friend. I think it's so so important. Yeah, I mean, for sure, that's what keeps me going is is to catch up and to see how we can be inspired or inspire each other next. Yeah, yeah, and I would even say it's not only not too late, but for all the reasons you just mentioned, for all the the resources that you have at this point in life, it's actually perhaps the best time yeah. for people to consider that. What do you feel like Windrose Farm, what do you feel like Los Agaves has taught you about yourself? Oh, gosh, so many things. I think that I didn't think that something could be more challenging than the things that I've mm-hmm. done. Yeah, And this has easily been the most challenging thing, not just as a business, but, you know, on our marriage and being in a new place. Yeah. Right. I mean, I think I thought, oh, well, it'll be great. We'll just do this and we're all together and, and, you know, and it has been hard and we've had, we've wanted to give up a lot. So I think that's surprised me, but also, you know, we've come out stronger and we've thought of new ideas and new ways to do things and um, built a whole new community of people that now in this and learned so much about this new world that we weren't really a part of. I think that every time I do that, that amazes me, right? It's like, oh my gosh, there's 
did you know that there's an entire conference dedicated to X, Y, or Z? Um, and of course, why wouldn't there be? Yeah. But I think it's just fascinating that there's that many people pouring their, themselves, little parts of themselves into all of these different areas. It's fascinating. I think like someday, someday when I go back to school, I'm going to study sociology. And put it all together. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I'm excited for somehow, I haven't figured it out yet, but there's a Liberty Road something at the farm. A Liberty Road Road trip taste. is what there is. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. I actually made that joke when uh, a few people on Instagram listened to the Molly episode yes. and we joked about doing something out there. And oh my I gosh, that. I like, yes. Liberty Road Sign trip, me up. Right? Okay, we'll do that She together. just did that one that I was so sad that I wasn't there for. Yes, we'll do we'll do one that's a tequila tasting Perfect. for sure. I, it's in there. It's in there. But before I let you go, Catherine, I want us to do our fast five. So I'm going to ask you these five questions and just whatever comes to mind. Now that you're squarely into 40 and, and moving forward with great strength, what's been a favorite practice or hack or a book, something that you've read that you feel like you'd like to share with your 40 plus friends on this podcast? Probably not a hack, but go through gut, you know, say yes or say no and stick by that, I think has been huge for me, especially lately. Yeah. Yeah. There's actually, it's funny, we'll, I'll have to do a whole podcast on that, but there is a lot of actual science coming around gut responses yeah. and I'm fascinated by it. And it's this thing that's somewhere between the head and the heart yeah. that is intangible and we hear more and more entrepreneurs in particular talking about it. It's that's interesting. You know, I think it was, it was a movie or something I was watching with the kids the other day and it was like, well, answer however your gut feels. And if you truly feel the other way, you'll know in that instant that something different happens and you don't yeah. have it, you'll know that you answered wrong. You know, if you said no to this opportunity and something happens and it, it goes on and it starts you'll know and you can you can change your mind you can you work can hard you, yeah absolutely yeah i always say i reserve the right to change my mind right <laughs> um and then favorite ice cream flavor chocolate malted crunch from thrifties oh my gosh i thought for sure you were gonna say something that has fruit in it that you're making <laughs> at the farm no. Catherine. <laughs> <laughs> no, nope, good old thrifty's ice cream. <laughs> I love it. I love that. And then what's something that has been that you've embraced or been like a real treat or a joy as you have turned 40 and are embracing this next decade of your life? I have to say food. <laughs> it's always gonna be food. I had, I mean, like I said, I had the best month turning 40. Yeah. And I think. So I have a culinary background and yeah. now with the farm and getting to go back to all of these chefs who I've just followed and adored for years, but them using our produce has been so special and unbelievable. I mean, I think the first time one of these chefs came and said, Hey, we'd love to use your eggs. I was like, no way. I've, <laughs> I, I can't, I couldn't believe it was actually happening. So yeah, I think that that's a common theme throughout. Yeah, just having them participate in this this yeah. endeavor. That that's very cool. And then what if you were able to mentor your younger self and you know, she's dreading midlife. What do you want to say to her about and you're you're just 
you're just there. You're just <laughs> at the, the beginning of it. But what would you want to say to her about this season or this stage of life? I would say embrace it. Mm. Don't let it pass you by too quickly. Mm-hmm. You know, go slow. They, they, they say that about raising kids, right? But I, I feel it now more than ever. I think, gosh, it go, it truly goes by so fast. And I try to like embrace every second of it. Yeah. I have often said that I feel like a walking cliche because that's all I'm saying all the time. It goes so fast. No, all the cliches, they're all true. (laughs) They're all true. They're cliches for a reason. That's true. Thanks. Thanks for making that, bringing that to to my mind. (laughs) What do you feel like, and we've heard you say a few things, you've sort of hinted at it, but what has launching this sort of entrepreneurial season in your life, both with the farm, um, with the tequila company, what has it liberated in you? I think that it's probably starting something completely different, right? I think the ventures that I've started have all been in the same field. So they've all been interconnected. I'm like, oh, well, I know the same people. I know someone who can help me with this or that or the next thing. And this has been so wildly different that it definitely took some stepping outside of that box and saying, okay, we can do this. Um, we can learn a new thing and we can, we can try a new thing and we can meet the people and we can build it, um, which innately I think I knew because I've done it before, but having to start over and do it from scratch is something very different. Yeah. Yeah. I'm glad you did. I'm glad you did do it. And I'm glad that you came here to share that story because I think there's so many of us listening, myself included, who want to hear these stories and be not just inspired, but to see examples of what's possible. And we get to sort of take those and make them our own. So thank you well, for sharing your story. at the farm. I am. That's happening for sure. I just have to figure out the timing of that. But Perfect. I absolutely want to go. I ha- There's a secret little farmer person in me. I need to let her out. I'm not sure. There's also sure amazing wine and food. Not that I needed to be coaxed anymore, <laughs> but yeah, done, done. And I got to see these eggs. I got to see these yes. beautiful eggs. Thank you so much, Catherine, for thank spending you for this time me. with us. Absolutely. Liberty listeners, thank you for spending this hour with Catherine and I, and we will have all of their information for the farm, for tequila, for the Airbnb so that you guys can access it. And until next week, we'll talk to you then. Bye. Liberty Road is broadcast on all platforms, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, and more. If you like what you've heard, please follow, rate, and review Liberty Road on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. It helps us to know if these episodes are inspiring and equipping your ventures. Liberty Road is produced by Netta Jones and Elizabeth Joy Windham and music by Jordan Flowers.